This is Aspire, Arc Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. Today, our guest is Andreas Heineke the founder and CEO of Dialogue Social Enterprise and Dialogue in the Dark. Dialogue is an exhibition and a workshop to explore the unseen. The concept of Dialogue in the Dark is simple. Visitors are led by blind guides through specially constructed dark rooms in which scent, sound, wind, temperature, and texture convey the characteristics of daily environments. A reversal of roles is created. People who can see are taken out of their familiar environment, and blind people provide them with security and a sense of orientation by transmitting to them a world without pictures. Dialogue in the Dark has been presented in more than 30 countries and 130 cities throughout the world since its opening in 1988. More than 7 million visitors worldwide have experienced Dialogue in the Dark, and thousands of blind guides and trainers have found employment through the program. Andreas holds a Ph.D. in philosophy from Goethe University. He is the first Ashoka Fellow to be selected in Western Europe. Among his numerous awards, Andreas has been recognized as a member of the World Economic Forum's Global Agenda Council on Social Entrepreneurship, as an outstanding global social entrepreneur by the Schwab Foundation, and as a recipient of the Stevie Wonder Vision Award. Andreas, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Really a pleasure. Um, I'd like to begin by asking you to tell us the story of what inspired you to found Dialogue in the Dark. Well, there's as always a, a long story and a, and a short story. And the, and the short story starts actually um, with my parents. Uh, they were born in 28, and my mother grew up in, in, um, in Poland. And we had Jewish relatives, while my father uh, grew up in Germany, um, in Nazi Germany, and he had a family, a lot of family members were really strong Nazi supporters. So you can imagine uh, what happened uh, while my mother survived, my father lost the war in his understanding. Well, and then uh, when I was 13 years old, uh, I became aware about this, um, well, this really very, very strange situation. And from 13 to 30, um, I really tried harder to understand uh, what were the, how this could happen, how in wartime 6 million people could be killed in an industrial way. So I was very, very uh, fascinated in, in one side uh, to, 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 to really to, to, to dig deeper and to try to understand what happens and how it happens foremost. So I studied history, I visited camps, I spoke to survivors, I mean my PhD about Ethan Judaism, uh, really to try to understand how it happened and how of course uh, well um, yeah and how of course my, my, my family cancellation worked out. So this was my my so called my my leitmotiv for seventeen years, from thirteen to thirteen. And then when I when I finished my studies, um, I worked for a radio station, and uh, one day I was asked by my director if I can imagine a work training for a journalist who had a car accident and lost his eyesight. And I had until this day no idea about blindness. I never met a blind person. I never had contact with uh, an exchange with disabled people. That was absolutely was completely new for me, so to say. 
And then when I met him, I was really blown away about his capacities, about his optimism, about his personality. And then when I, let's say, reflected my, my own attitude towards him, that I thought his life was valuable and he has only to suffer being blind and how his life without eyesight, it's more or less nothing. Then I was so shocked about myself and even embarrassed. I said, well, if I am embarrassed with my story, with my family history and with my education, how others might judge. And then I had this uh, wake-up call in my life, and it was definitely a turning point that I decided and that I could not even ignore the necessity to do something and I think and to contribute my, my life, in fact, for this, uh, to, the, yeah, to close the gap between people who I usually don't need and avoid uh, exchange and, of course, to give a tiny contribution uh, through dialogue um, that, um, let's say, superficial judgments um, might be um, avoided. It's for the beginning. Interesting, interesting. The One of the questions that I really wanted to focus on in our conversation today is about the skill of empathy. And in mm-hmm. the, stu- the two uh, stories that you've told, both about your family life and about your encounter with this blind jur- journalist, it seems that the skill of empathy has played a very important role. And when you consider how you developed empathy early in your life, in your family and in your work, could you talk a little bit about that, how your own skill of empathy allowed you to perhaps understand elements in your family and then also to really uh, invite you into the worldview and the life experience of a blind person? What was the role of empathy in that, in that uh, transformation? Well, you know, empathy is, is of course, wonderful, but it's a, it's a buzzword. So it's, I think, yeah. not easy, I think, to, to really to, to have a common understanding about uh, what, is em- what empathy really means. Right. Of course, you can say I need to stick in the other shoes and to be open uh, uh, um, towards other people and uh, respect and accept and being, how to say, interested on in different uh, ways to live and different cultures, religions, etc. This is but very, very general. Um, if you ask me directly, so what was my let's say, uh, education uh, to to raise empathy? Um, this was foremost my my how to say my, my disadvantages. I, I I was confronted with and I had to face this. So out of my um, let's say early childhood experiences, um, through my observations about what's going, let's say what's happening around how the injustice I was recognizing and witnessing, um, this, let's say, uh, developed a certain sediment uh, for me to, to really to understand, wow, if you are in a situation, you have really to suffer. And because I had quite a lot of suffer and had quite some really difficult situations, and I was also, I felt very, very uh, bad and, and I was really sad when I saw that other people were treated in, a, in an unfair way, or were beaten, or whatever, um, to to avoid this sort of, let's say, pain. And it was really a pain, and it was uh, you, you you get really depressed about uh, in, in certain under certain conditions. To avoid all this, this maybe um, was a certain technique to develop uh, some empathy skills. So maybe it was um, it was a protection uh, for my own. You know, because mm-hmm. I knew that uh, when, but what it means at the end, when you are on the other side. So that's important that your own experience of suffering and perhaps not being understood 
led to some soul searching and reflecting and insight that then developed your own skill of empathy growing up that you were then able to apply in these situations? I, I, I think so. I think there are, there are two ways. I think if you um, if you are confronted with violence, for instance, yeah, and I was uh, confronted with violence and abuse um, when I was a, when I was a boy, mm-hmm. and it means, clearly speaking, what are the consequences? You can become very aggressive and now to stand up and fight against this injustice. Or I think what I did, um, I embedded somehow the the the, the pain and the, and the, and the, and the grief about the situation and tried of course in an indirect way to protect others that they are not uh, in this situation because mm. I found it very very painful mm. but the alternative would be to 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 set up and say never ever this will happen and if somebody um, how to say uh, is doing things which I don't accept I will immediately stand up and I will fight for it that it's, that it's not going to happen. So to become aggressive in a certain way and to use violence as a, as a, as a reaction. These are the two alternatives. I understand. I noted that you have a PhD in philosophy, which I think mm. is very interesting. It's, it's wonderful to see such a great example of, of education and philosophy being uh, applied in such a powerful and transformative way. And I wondered how your study as philosophy has informed your work or at least informed your understanding of what you do. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, uh, I have to tell you, when I finished my first study, and I was, I was, I had in mind to become a teacher. I wanted to become a teacher for literature and history. This was my 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 first goal. But then when I uh, visited, when I worked in a school after two weeks, I stepped out because it was not at all environment I would I would like to stay. This was not my world. And then I think in order, then I had two alternatives. Um, after um, I stopped working as a teacher, one is okay to be unemployed, and the other one was uh, to start a PhD. And I decided to make a PhD um, because it sounds better and gives me a certain protection. But in the, as a matter of fact, it's the same. So I was not, um, I don't have the attention to, to, to make a PhD. It was just out of the, 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 the despair that I could not find my place in this space. So I found that uh, I built a certain bubble which, how to say, protects me and not to be uh, all the time offended and questioned by other people. This was my motivation, initial motivation, um, to step into this uh, PhD um, um, track. So, and then, of course, I did it, and as, all, as everything in my life, until when I was 30 and I met this blind guy, everything was puzzled. Everything was absolutely not connected. I, I studied, I, I made my PhD, but of course, I had the, um, the the. But I did not know how I can imply it, how I can take advantage out of it. But later on, of course, um, and then comes. I, I studied Martin Buber, for instance, you know, and the German Jewish philosopher, and he said the old oh, is by encounter, and this is somehow my 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 mantra. And a light motif. Everything what I'm doing is how to say based on this platform, and let's say and and promoting, fostering the dialogue because I think the dialogue is maybe the best way uh, to overcome, uh, let's say, uh, uh, hurdles or to close the gap um, between and amongst people who usually have problems. I think for for an exchange. 
So that means um, I, I, I studied and I made it and uh, I had time, six years in fact, it took me six years I think to go all through, all through these uh, studies. But at the end, um, when, I, when I made it and I, had my, 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 and I received my PhD, it didn't tell me anything. And I was even disappointed that it doesn't give me any emotional lift. It was just done and that's it. But of course now I understand that I learned a lot uh, through this um, uh, um, PhD time because I could, I really understand why this was one. And it gave me, of course, um, let's say, the importance of, of questions. So what I learned is, of course, um, a reflection skill and, of course, um, and, 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 and a reflection skill. So I think when I now uh, talk to start as a student, I'm working now at the university, is, of course, all the time the, the, the most important why question. So why you are, why you are, why you are, and please elaborate, elaborate. So I think the interest, I think, not to, to be satisfied, not to be satisfied with a simple answer, this maybe was prepared for my PhD. And of course, definitely the 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 the, 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 the handcraft, uh, uh, let's say the handcraft ship. You say, yeah, I think to 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 really to be able to 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 write and to to work with texts. So more more from a from a from a from a technical standpoint. Right, right. You mentioned Martin Buber, and I wonder your work is so centered on dialogue, and and Buber's work is very focused on dialogue. Yes. I wonder if there are any other writers or philosophers that have been important to you in developing your understanding of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. well, I think um, maybe not in my understanding about dialogue, uh, but in, in my understanding about resilience. Mm. Because when you are in the dark, um, and you are using it as, as a metaphor, of course, um, then you need resilience and you need, you need, you need adaptation skills. And through my studies uh, about Nazi uh, Europe or Nazi Germany, uh, of course, I, I, I had the chance to to study uh, Oscar Viktor Frankl. Ah, yes. Um, yeah, which of course is another very important uh, author for me. And uh, it's in, the English title is um, "Meaning of Life," um, and the German title is um, better because it, it describes um, saying yes. Uh, despite saying yes to life, despite all your experiences, ha, so that, interesting. that means it's another way. And of course, it shows this um, existential, uh, let's say, psychology, and it all the time triggers me. And I'm very interested to understand how people can uh, stay positive even under the the, the worst conditions. Mm. And this is something which, how to say, fascinates me um, to really to to see human capacity uh, to, to resist and to overcome and to stay positive despite all these uh, tragedies and all the stories uh, you have to face with. And this is what, what was the reason why I went to Rwanda now just recently because I was very, very interested, interesting, interested to understand how reconciliation is working and how, let's say, people who were facing I think, a horror, a real horror, yeah, how they, um, they build up uh, a new society in a new mindset and uh, very often I'm amazed about Rwanda which shows what human, human beings are able to overcome and to, and to, to, to go ahead despite all the, the, the difficulties. So I'm very interested in, in, in one side in understanding um, what 
a human being can 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 achieve. I'm not talking about business or money or whatever. In terms of mental, let's say, in mental, how to say, how they how they how they build a certain uh, um, um, mental frame and set up a mental mindset. Um, uh, a mindset, I think, to 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 be able to to cope with um, with un, un, unbearable situations. So, would you say that? Dialogue in the dark, the experience of dialogue in the dark is not only sensitizing people to the worldview and life of, of blind people, but also really giving them an experience of their own resilience in, a, in, an, in an environment that they're not acquainted with. You know, I'm doing out the dialogue now for 25 years, and I have a feeling I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an early beginner. I'm trying to understand what it's about. And it, it really came up by this Eureka uh, thing. Okay, wow, it's so simple to, to turn off the light and the blinds are right and the blinds are blind. Right. And then let's do it and let's, let's see how it works. And it worked from day one on. And I thought, of course, it's super immersive. It's wonderful. Blind people are able to do it. And blind people appreciate it as an emotional, of course, um, transition, beginning very fearful at the end. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Okay, so I, I believed in the ingredients. This is going to work. And of course, the, the first approach was to raise awareness about the the the, the, the life of blind people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but I'm not sure uh, if this is how to say the ultimate goal. I I would even say so that the, the beneficiaries are not the blind, they are the non-blind. I think that when you look at Marshall, so what is how to say that the bottom line of um, of, uh, of of fulfillment and of needs, yeah? yeah, and of course it's economical, let's say sustainability. Okay, done. So of course when we give um, blind people um, um, a paycheck, of course they have an they have an income and they can secure their life. Okay, fantastic. But but when you move, let's say up to the to the peak. Um, and see, also according to Maslow, what are really the needs. And of course, at the peak, you have the sort of a say of self-realization. And of course, and of course, um, maybe to get a higher understanding about uh, yourself, self-awareness. And this is definitely um, which is uh, transmitted uh, through, through dialogue, because uh, sighted people learn much more about themselves. They learn much more about their own, let's say, capacities. They, they, they understand their vulnerability. They understand their limits. And of course, as we all know, if you are aware about your, your limits, my goodness, this is an, an unbelievable learning experience. So I would say that the, the dialogue is not about, blind, about blindness. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really not, not the case, and we wouldn't say that, uh, okay, now you're on the dog, and you know how blind people are and how they can maneuver and this and that. No, 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 it's not about. It's much more an opportunity to learn more about yourself, and then, of course, with uh, somehow an emotional benefit. And this is a charm. You can say it from a, from a, from an ugly standpoint. You can say, okay, we are utilizing the capabilities of blind people because it's obvious that they are very clever in the dark. Okay, great. Or you can say, of course, it's a mutual learning. It's a mutual benefit for for, for either side, for the blind and for the non-blind. And and I see it definitely as a as a metaphor 
and of course darkness is of course let's say all this uh, let's say all this uh, stuff which is how to say it's not verbalized which is which is invisible and of course disabled people now they are literally in the dark they don't have access to the light now you can become very poetic you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it means um, it is much more as a, as a metaphor and what is the the, 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 the asset of darkness is is of course it's the best best uh, space for for talking because if you don't talk you don't exist. Right. In thinking and listening to you here in this conversation and and thinking and reflecting on your work and reading about it, one of the things that occurred to me about this metaphor is the connection between darkness and dialogue and the idea about being in the darkness and giving up some security and letting go of your preconceptions. And I wonder if you could talk about that, about how darkness and being able to take a risk and go into a space that may be out of our comfort zone, how that how that relates to opening ourselves up to a true dialogue in which learning can take place. Yes, with pleasure. Well, I think, you know, we all talk about uh, three levels. Um, three levels um, in <laughs> and uh, yeah, three levels in, uh, in, in, in 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 two dimensions. So three levels in two dimensions sounds not bad. Okay, so three levels are um, you have to uh, you have to dare, you have to care, and you have to share. So daring, caring, sharing. This is how to say uh, the dimension number one, and I will explain it later. Mm. And dimension number two is dialogue with yourself, the dialogue with the other, and the dialogue with otherness. Hmm. That means talking to, uh, say, reflecting and dialoguing with yourself, with your emotions and with your being in the circumstance, dialoguing um, with the other, that means with your peers in, in the group, you are usually in the group, and dialogue with otherness is, of course, with people you don't, usually don't, don't talk to, blind people. So these are the, the dimensions. But let me start with the, with the uh, daring, caring, and, and sharing. Um, when people are coming, um, okay, it sounds a little bit goofy, right? I think I'm going to a pitch dark room and ha ha ha, and, and it's fun and blah blah blah. People are not coming because they're interested on, on blind people. They don't have any social motivation. It's exciting. It's somehow a leisure activity. They can go to the lunar park or they can go to the dark. It's somehow it's 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 intriguing. It's funny. It's it's exciting, and that's it. that's why the people pay, I don't know what, twenty bucks for 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 a ticket. Okay, then they're coming. But then, you know, hmm, then you have no clear understanding what it really means. And then people are, of course, completely overwhelmed and, and shocked that it's really pitch dark. There's not a single spark of light in this room. Wow. And this you cannot accept. And then, of course, there comes a certain, let's say, uh, cognitive uh, dissonance that you say, wow, but it's impossible. I have my eye open, but I cannot see anything. Even if you then, then let move your hand uh, in front of your eyes, you don't see your hands. People, let's say, imagine that they're going to see their, when, they, when they move their hands in front of their face, they imagine that they can, that they, they see something, but they cannot physically, they cannot see anything. Okay. And that means it's, of course, a huge, huge shock for, 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 for your own. That means you are suddenly completely dependent and every single step uh, forward is a, is a risk. That's why you have to dare it. 
Mm. And of course, you understand, wow, I am really completely in this now, in this dark room, and I have, and I'm losing reference um, regarding time, and have not anymore any time and, and space feeling. So I don't know whether the room is big or, or large or long or endless or small. I have no idea. And of course, losing reference um, in, in, uh, on, on time and reference um, in terms of um, uh, um, space is, of course, a very, very, let's say, no, this is something, you know. And it's a sensorial deprivation, which, of course, uh, impacts our, 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 your brain I- immediately. Two-thirds of our, let's say, our, let's say, our mental processes are stimulated by, by vision. So that means we are completely uh, absorbing visual information and our brain is processing very quickly and, 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 and translates all this uh, information we get in actions or in, in, in thoughts or whatever, or it's just a subconsciousness, a subconscious, okay. So, but then suddenly, imagine when you are in this pitch dark room and your brain doesn't receive any, any visual information anymore, the question is, okay, what happened with your brain? And the brain, and this is the good news, immediately um, it has a capacity, I think, to adapt to this circumstance. That means your addition is really, how to say, increasing very quickly. And you are aware very quickly about things you're usually not at all aware about. Ah. That means you are listening much more carefully. You can make distinctions uh, who is speaking. You don't see these guys. You are, have a full body perception. It means wind becomes a very important indicator. You suddenly uh, figure out the importance of, um, of different textures, and you can identify them. And, uh, of course, this is more on the sensory level, but on the, on the personal level, you understand the importance of trust, and that you are really able, I think, to, to communicate with others. And you are, can then come to the, the caring that you are helping the other. You are really, how to say, um, thinking about the others because you are in this very difficult situation. So being somehow um, um, in this hostile situation opens up your, your, your solidarity. And, and you know, wow, okay, I, I survived by crossing the, the, the uh, let's say, the, uh, the street as a city side in the, in the other and but others might have problems and I know because I survived in a certain way maybe others have difficulties so I'm, I, I'm caring and then of course um, due to the immersive environment of course you have a tendency to speak up you speak in fact non-stop because if you don't speak you, 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 you don't exist and this is of course very important that means um, uh, people um, to be reconnected to their own, let's say, body. That's the reason they feel vibration. That's why, why they are talking. It means you have a tendency to share. And that means this is a wonderful, uh, let's say, transaction or transformation, because to say, from, 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 from daring, okay, I have to do it. I do it because then I'm in and I maybe I regret quickly because um, I, I didn't expect that it's such powerful and that I'm so overwhelmed. And even with all preparation, it is much stronger than I, uh, I considered. Then secondly, of course, you have to care, and you do care, because you understand, wow, I have a certain responsibility, and I'm, of course, more open, and, of course, I, I share, because I'm, I, I'm amongst peers. And being in the dark is, of course, a wonderful situation, because you are anonymous, you know, nobody sees you. You cannot see, but you are not seen. And this is a therapeutic setting, and this is why it is so, so, so strong and so long-lasting.
This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world, from the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions. Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Arch Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. We now return to our Innovate interview with David Castro and Andreas Heineke, founder and CEO of Dialogue Social Enterprise and Dialogue in the Dark. A beautiful aspect of your work is the way that you've created employment and engagement for so many people with disabilities. And I wonder if you could talk about what they have learned through participating in Dialogue in the Dark. What kind of breakthroughs and insights have they had about themselves and about their communities and the world that they uh, inhabit? Well, okay, you know, I cannot speak now for the seven or 8,000 people. Um, <laughs> uh, this is a bit complicated because, yes. uh, um, well, this is, um, as the size population, there are 8,000 individuals and uh, everybody definitely took something different out of it. Um, this is clear. But of course, um, uh, and, and, we, and we tracked uh, the, the impact um, over 10 years in different uh, countries, as Mexico, as Italy, as Germany, as UK, etc. So we had the chance to work with them with a, a social science institute, and they made a pro bono research. Okay, we could never afford it, but they made it, and then they tracked the, 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 the impact um, uh, over 10 years. And this was, of course, an, a wonderful, um, um, let's say, proof um, that dialogue is really is a, is a life changer, I think, for, for blind people. And in terms of, of course, autonomy, and of course, in terms of uh, having a completely new understanding who they are. You know, when, when you were born blind, so let's make it simple, of course, you are um, a, a huge, huge, um, let's say, burden for, for your family. You know, I think no, there's none family on earth uh, who, who becomes a blind child is not completely disappointed and they think about maybe uh, inherited sins or maybe I, I should not, I shouldn't have to drink a beer there's some guilt um, when you have somehow a disabled um, a child. And then suddenly you are the blind boy or blind girl and of course um, you are somehow, uh, you are, it's, it's a tragedy. So when you then uh, uh, grow up in such an environment, my goodness, how self-esteem might might uh, be built? I think you are just uh, a burden. And then, of course, when it comes to school, you are you are special. And then when it comes to work, it comes special. You, you understand you don't have any, you don't have equal access. Everything is complicated, and everybody who you want to meet tells you, "Oh, poor guy, you are blind, and so hard, and I'm so sorry, and blah blah blah." Okay, so this is how to say it's a setting. And now you come to dark in the dark, and suddenly you are in this spot dark room, and you are, of course, a king. And the ones who treat you all the time like the, the last, uh, let's say, uh, cre- uh, creature on, on, uh, creation on, on Earth, suddenly are so thankful that you give a hand and you guide them um, uh, across the bridge or give them a beer or whatever in the bar. It means it's a completely, it's a fundamental shift. Ah, it means ah. your understanding that you, as a blind person, can contribute 
um, you are becoming an, an active contributor and not anymore the passive receiver. This is, of course, a fundamental, uh, let's say, uh, shift. And that means, um, and this, of course, has, has consequences, of course. There is a higher self-esteem. There is, of course, a better self-understanding. You, you know, these um, um, uh, this life skills, according to UNICEF, it's, of course, resilience. Of course, you are more resilient because you have another self-esteem. You, um, you understand better to position yourself because you are trained as a guide. You are every day you know, positioning yourself. And, of course, you have a much higher empathy. If you talk to, to kids, it's a team chat and talking to a, a leadership uh, team. So it means, I think, your, your, your adaptation, your flexibility, your communication skills. Um, but foremost, um, your, uh, your understanding about yourself, so your self-concept is, of course, fundamentally changing. And, of course, you dare much more um, as you would have done before because you understand I have a value. My blindness is an asset. It's one of my characteristics of my personality. I am a, a, a valuable person, and maybe this was accelerated through my blindness. So it's a completely new, um, let's say, understanding, and it's, of course, in, 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 a, in a very, very significant contradiction uh, to what society tells me. So I'm not the poor blind. I'm the beautiful blind. I'm the one who has really something to say. I can share. I can really, I, I, I have things to, to tell people. I'm not dependent on all these other guys who think, uh, and I really cannot cope. But people tell me, oh, poor guy. I, ha- I, I have a value. And it's exactly what, what comes up. Have you seen surprising relationships develop between sighted and blind people through oh, your yes. experience? Yes, yes, that was a wonderful, that was a wonderful uh, story in in, the, in Mexico, but it doesn't matter. This happens in in, in other places um, uh, too. Um, no, there was a situation that a young guy came and 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 he was uh, guided uh, by 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 a girl. And he was amazed by her voice, and he wanted to 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 to, to see her. And uh, so he, um, he 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 tries uh, to contact her, and then um, to 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 continue the dialogue, um, they met in uh, in in the city of of Mexico City, and he was blindfolded. Ah. So he, he wanted to continue the dialogue. And then, of course, being in is of course another threat than being in a say, in a protected space as an exhibition, but then they, then he was guided in the city. The next one is quite tough in terms of traffic, sure. and, and then he trusted her that she is now guiding him to a cafe or wherever, and then they were sitting and um, they were continuing the dialogue. Wow! Because um, he was he didn't want to, he didn't want to 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 go further. In the dialogue, and didn't want now to become, uh, say, become superior because he is now a sighted guide and easily can take her arm and go here and there. Of course, it was. Um, <coughs> I think that they won't stay forever like this. Um, but uh, um, this was somehow an experiment which shows how deeply he was impacted. But of course, he has a lot of hard love affairs and and all that stuff. But of course, this is this is human nature. Yes. Yes, exactly. Darkness is a very intimate space. Yes, you know? it is. I, I'm thinking about it. It's very intriguing. Very intriguing. Yes. What, another really unique aspect of your work is how intensely grounded it is in experience and in this mm. way transcending intellectual advocacy 
Mm. talk, it's going beyond talk to something that is so immediate. And I wonder if you could comment on the power of direct experience in building understanding between people, building empathy, and mm. having this kind of yes. transformation. Yes, uh, I think it's a good point. Uh, you know, I uh, it's easy to say, I'm a professor and I'm a doctor and I don't know what, and I don't believe in books. So this is how to say if if we if we talk about um and and transformative uh, learning and 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 transformative learning exactly then of course the question is um are really books changing lives and I believe in this experimental learning setting that means um you have it has to be emotional it has to be immersive and this is exactly how people learn and it you learn through encounter. So I, I'm, I'm a strong believer in, in, in uh, informal learnings, and of course, um, which leads them to a certain transformation. And um, in the dark, of course, all your senses are highly alert, and um, it's important that you ha- you don't have to know anything. You know, this is another um, maybe important aspect. When you are in this dark room, um, you cannot rely on your on your readings or on your preparation because the, the setting is much stronger than you. And it's absolute. It's not a maybe or whatever. It is very, very in or out. There's nothing in between. And you are overwhelmed. And, of course, this is an, a much, much stronger learning uh, than reading a book about um, the theory of empathy. Yes. You know? And that's why I, I strongly, uh, let's say, emphasize the right brain education. So how we can... Uh, stimulate exactly when you talk about empathy, how we can stimulate empathy through experience and not through theory. Yes, it yes. is very important. Of course, it is very important then, of course, to to elevate, uh, let's say, the experience on 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 a cognitive level that people understand what they what they what they have done. This is of course another chat, but I think the initialization that they, they kick off to and to open the doors and to make people more open. Um, to think different, to have a new understanding about themselves, to be more open towards others, um, knowing um, that it's not a shame to be to see limits, uh, because everybody has limits, uh, to understand the importance um, um, of trust and, and togetherness, especially in times um, of crisis, because darkness can be seen as a crisis, and, and of course comes this um, uh, sociological model in place that outer pressure strengthens uh, inner link. So this all we experience, and not because somebody clever tells you, okay, on page 28 you can read a chapter about bonding mechanisms, and I said, aha, 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 I understand, I understand, and then you're going out and you forget it immediately, no, I think you are really in, and you make it, and you will never forget it. You know, I think the simple example is, of course, when when you as a as a boy, I think touch the the oven and you burn your finger. I think you will never forget it. I think that's a matter of fact. And why? It's not, of course, that and, that, and the pain disappears quickly. But I think the learning and uh, let's say component is, of course, a much different one. When somebody tells you, uh, "Listen, uh, boy." Um, the oven is hot and don't touch it and you say yes, 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 I will never touch it but you cannot really get it until you touch it. That means this emotional um, as a print is very important I think to change attitude. This is, um, yeah, this is, an, this is really, really I think I believe in this um, experimental, experimental, emotional um, and hopefully um, transformative learning. 
we live in a world today in which so much of what people learn is through the internet and media and yes. video screens and and exactly. this, this is such a terrific counterexample of immediate yes. personal interactive learning. Yes. I see that your work in dialogue and society you are now extending this concept of dialogue to other domains that involve the deaf and the elderly. Mm and perhaps even other things. Can you talk a little bit about that direction? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, well, um, um, you know, uh, I have to admit that uh, my my heart is not bumping for, for blind people. So I'm not, uh, let's say, a social worker uh, which takes care of blind people. It's not at all my, my, my profession. I really try to think to, to, to and this is my, my, my understanding about what I'm doing is to change mindset. Uh, towards otherness. This is how to say it. This is the ultimate goal of what we are doing. And of course, we are using uh, these immersive environments now as darkness or as silence, or we have another setting um, um, to, uh, let's say, to appreciate aging, in fact, yeah, to, 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 uh, to reduce fears uh, of getting old. This is, of course, another, uh, let's say, line. But at the at the end of the day, it's it's um, it's it has the same it's the same targets the same objectives why we are doing uh, what we are doing and it's all about giving people um, and and a better understanding about themselves in different aspects. Dialogue in in the dark is of course much about perception about vision. You learn to see in the dark in a certain way. Um, it's about uh, com- communication. So when you are in a silent uh, space and you are guided by deaf people and you have a um, um, high effective uh, uh, headset and you cannot hear properly and it's forbidden to, to, to speak verbally and suddenly you, you learn uh, to understand that communication is much more than, than talk. Uh, so you learn to speak um, in the silence. And then you are in dialogue with time, uh, confronted with, uh, with, with seniors, the youngest guy is now 71, the oldest is 86 years old, and you have a chance to reflect about, let's say, your understanding about your own aging or about old age or about time with people who are having reached a certain say, maturity. And of course, um, it's all about mutual benefit. It means um, it's, it, I'm doing all the time the same, but of course it's different, uh, let's say, uh, offers. So they, it doesn't matter whether you are in the dark or you're in the silence or you are now uh, uh, confronted with, uh, with pretty old people. It's all about the same. To offer you um, a chance to learn more about yourself, of course, in, in, in with different angles. And uh, we want, uh, of course, I think, to, to have a um, benefit for those who are, want to, want to assure a uh, benefit for those who are somehow marginalized and, 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 and are the, the, the less fortunate in our societies. Because when you are five and you're deaf and you're old, uh, you're not in the driver's seat, and generally speaking. We're coming to the end of our time, and I wanted to shift the lens a little bit and ask you to speak from your perspective as a social entrepreneur and a leader in this kind of work in the world. 
And I've heard you give a very interesting talk, uh, a graduation speech in which you talked about the importance of humility. You were, mm. talk, you were talking about Steve Jobs and his famous advice mm. to stay hungry and stay foolish. And then you put a very unique twist on that. You said that mm. you should stay hungry and stay humble. Yes. And I wonder what does humility mean to you and what's mm. the relationship between humility and this work of social entrepreneurship and leadership uh, that we're asking uh, people to mm. Well, you know, um, the, the fact is that I believe that success is the most dangerous uh, situation in your life. And uh, we all have a longing uh, for success, uh, but then when we, uh, when we have success in, in one way or the other, um, then uh, we are easily tempted to lose references. Mm then we are becoming blind in one way or the other. And there are a lot of examples of people uh, who are uh, getting really received, uh, succeeded to have a high achievements and doing very well, and then suddenly, chuck, they, they, they fell upon the threshold. You know, they try to touch the stars, but then they, 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 um, they struggle with the threshold and, and they, they fall down, they fell down. And I think this is somehow this um, human nature, um, in, especially in, in moments of personal success and personal achievement, that we are um, losing reference. And that's why I think it's all the time really, really important to understand that you as an individual are more or less nothing. We are all the time, uh, and let's say, a part of a, of a bigger, bigger, let's say, of a bigger, uh, bigger something. That means we all the time we are uh, we are carried, um, we are supported, um, and we are and we are deeply dependent on 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 the frame. So I would um, see myself as a very very tiny uh, contributor to achieve something, and this I have to keep in mind. If I think so, I am the Mr. Big and I made it and well, now I'm, I don't know what, have another uh, award in, in, in my shelf, great. Of course, it's, it's especially as a social entrepreneur, when you don't have money as an incentive, of course, recognition is, is a big thing. And on the other side, honestly speaking, what was my, uh, let's say, contribution to all this, uh, let's say, let's, let's, let's say the success? What is my contribution? I may be somehow a catalyst. You know, I maybe have the capacity to bring people together and to maybe to 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 stimulate and to push things in a in a in a in a in a, in a certain direction. Of course, I am the communicator. But at the end of the day, what is my what is my contribution? What I'm really doing in terms of work? I I, I I'm not lacking of self-esteem. So please don't misunderstand. But I understand that I'm with my and let's say my, my individual let's say capacities, my individual um um yeah well tools uh, I'm I'm close to zero, it's nothing. That means I don't believe in this um uh, let's say hero uh, uh story that one one man, one voice and then, then it's going. No, it's not important to be a leader, it's much more um to have good followers. And this is exactly why I think that um, humbleness and humility is so much needed that you all the time um, be aware about what is really your contribution in all what was achieved. And when you are somehow self-critical and you ask yourself, 
then you have to understand firstly there's a lot of how to say random there are random situations you meet the right guy in the, in the same moment but it was not planned it was not because you are so a genius no zero it was by random this was one maybe you can say destiny yeah yeah you know how many lucky circumstances help you i think then to to grow my goodness, this was 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 not my 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 contribution. It was not my my effort. It was just a very very lucky situation, lucky circumstances that this could could grow. In other circumstances, it, it would be the diff- it would be the diff- the opposite side. Well, it means I I don't believe in this that I can make it and I can make it, but uh, with a lot of support and with a lot of really really completely unpredictable uh, let's say situations um, or let's say uh, yeah supports I, I can do it, but my my contribution stays small and that's why I strongly believe um, that um, uh, staying humble is one of the most important uh, let's say challenges. And especially when you are seen as somebody who is so successful, um, keep distance to success and don't overestimate yourself. Beautiful and powerful and very wise words. You said, I believe this is a quote from you, you said, real wealth is the ability to use our own capabilities and involve shifting from me to we, yeah. which is, exactly. I think, a terrific yeah. summary of, of all the things that you just said. Listeners who would want to learn more about Dialogue Social Enterprise or Dialogue in the Dark or to make a contribution to your work can find you on the web, am I right? And the website is www.dialogue-se.com and also www.dialogue-in-the-dark.com. And then you are also on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dialogue in the dark. Do I have that right? Yes, I think so. I don't know, but I I sound good. That's sound familiar. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well, Andreas, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to speak with you today. I really enjoyed it, and I look forward to the next time that we will be together. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.